Hey everyone, it's Adam Himmelsbach with the Boston Globe. We're here at the Boston Sports Club, Celtics training facility, and we have a great podcast for you guys today. I've finally gotten rid of Gary Washburn, and we have a special guest in the house. It's uh, Celtics assistant coach Micah Shrewsbury. Micah's going to tell us all the secrets, all the things he's not supposed to say, and it's going to be really great. That's what you agreed to, right? Definitely, yeah, sure, sure. (laughs) That'll probably happen. Um, So Micah's, you know, taking an interesting path. Before we get on the Celtics, I want to talk a little bit just about your road here to the NBA. Um, You're an Indianapolis guy, Indiana guy, right? Yeah. And then uh, played some college basketball. Is that at Hanover? Hanover, Southern Indiana, the Fighting Panthers. Fighting Panthers. Is that, what is that Division Three or Division Three? Yeah. What, your guard? I was a point guard, believe it or not. Were you the real deal? Um, I always tell people that I'm a professional passer, so I didn't shoot very much. Um, you know, I just kind of played my role. I was a ball mover, got a lot of assists. It's a great defensive rebounder. Um, I was a good three-point shooter, but didn't shoot very much. And I was, uh, I don't know, pretty forgettable. <laughs> so basically, you're good. You're good at everything. You just ran through every skill, pretty much. If you really stop and think about it. Uh, I mean, I didn't talk anything about defense. <laughs> <laughs> so did you did you know early on that coaching was something you're interested in, or did you start to develop the mindset of as a coach? Would you did you find yourself kind of as a player watching things develop or paying attention to plays and that sort of thing more? I think. Um, I had a pretty good IQ and knew kind of about the game and knew everything about it. Um, I didn't know that I wanted to get into coaching until I got to college, probably my, I don't know, maybe sophomore or junior year. I started getting more and more intrigued about it. Um, I took a, like an independent study and I don't even remember what it was called, but I basically followed our I like shadowed our assistant coaches for like a semester and really like found out what they did. Like, you know, because as a player, you have no idea what the assistant coaches do. (laughs) You know, you just think they show up to practice and everything's done. Uh, But so that like gave me some insight into it. And um, so usually independent study when you're in college is like the quick, like easy, oh, I'm going to do the independent study where I just kind of whatever, go to bowling or something like that. It sounds like actually prepared you for your career yeah it helped me helped me both ways prepared me for my career and you know it helped me uh, as a player too because I got to see mm-hmm. um, you know those guys breaking down film I was actually doing it with them and watching film and uh, just hearing them talk just even doing like recruiting stuff for them uh, just sending out letters or things like that so I was I guess I was doing the independent study but I was also now that I think about it I was probably there like office assistant a little bit (laughs) (laughs) when when you're doing that what kind of things do you start noticing like you know what 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 do you pick up when it comes to looking at film like if I sat down and watched film now I wouldn't necessarily know what to look for things you've you've got so much experience doing now yeah you know what and even back then I probably still didn't know what exactly I was looking at Um, you pick out more of what players like to do here and there um, what teams you know, kind of what they ran. Like, it, it's a little more complex now, uh, the stuff that I'm looking for, the stuff that I can find. But back then, it was really, I mean, just ordinary type of things. Like, hey, they run flex or, 
they run uh, ball screen, which nobody did ball screens in the mid-90s, but things like that uh, is really what I was looking for then, and it's completely changed now. So uh, then you went, got your first job. I got, your, I got you up here. I got your bio. Wow. I'm not sure if I'm going to pronounce this right. Wabash? Wabash? Yeah, they skipped. Well, they actually skipped. I, was, I took a job. I was a uh, graduate assistant at the University of Indianapolis. It was a Division II school. Um, Todd Sturgeon is now the head high school coach at Floyd Central, right across the bridge from Louisville there. And um, he was my boss, and it was great. Like, since Division II school, there was one assistant coach and myself. Um, so he just threw me to the fire. Mm-hmm. Like, here you go. Hey, you, you have the first scout. You're the second scout of the year. Like, let's go. Let's get it done. Like, no instructions. Like, so the assistant coach there, his name was Ian Brown. He was unbelievable because he had to do his work and basically my work too because he was, like, babysitting me and telling me how to do things. Uh, but, I mean, it was the best thing for you. I mean, it just trial and fire by error and, you know, in a team that, you know, wanted to have some success. So Was that right, right out of college you went? Right out of college, yeah. There were it – was, it was crazy. I had um, – there were two guys on the team that were actually older than I were. <laughs> um, there was – one guy had gone to the military and then come back to play Division two, and another guy was like a six-year senior. Uh, so they were older than me, so it was a different experience. Uh, but it was fun. And then it was on to? And I went to Wabash Wab- there. Wabash. Yeah. Wabash. Wabash yeah. Where's Wabash? Wabash is um, Crawfordsville, Indiana. I'm sure a lot of people have heard of that. It's west of Indianapolis, about an hour to hour and a half away from Indianapolis, west. Um, so I worked there for a year. Uh, Mac Petty is a uh, Great Division Three coach. He actually won a national championship there at Wabash with Pete Metzlars, who was a great tight end for the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, was his starting center at Wabash College. Oh, wow. See, I'm dropping knowledge, <laughs> giving everybody these trivia tips. Um, but I worked for Mac Petty there. And it's funny, um, Wabash, I worked at DePaul next, which is in Indiana, which is Coach Stevens' alma mater. DePaul for everyone. I've I've written a couple of times. I've written in the paper DePaul, and I have readers yeah. email me, and they'll say, "Hey, you know, it's DePaul," and I'll say, "No, it's actually DePaul with a yeah, W." With a W, the, <laughs> yeah, the Tigers with the W. It's and you know a lot of people, and with it being so close to Chicago, and still people don't get them confused. They mm-hmm. know DePaul and DePaul. So, <laughs> uh, but DePaul, Wabash, Hanover are actually all in the same conference. Oh. So I knew all of those coaches before I actually took the job which which helped out when did you actually meet uh, brad brad stevens brad and i have known each other since high school um playing against each other he's from zionsville which is kind of a suburb of indy and i was in indianapolis and like we'd go through the summer like you know aau circuit playing against each other seeing each other but then like open gyms like you know we're both kind of hoop junkies so you kind of knew the days and times of when people played. So, you know, we'd show up at Carmel High School on a Monday and play. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd go to Ben Davis on Sunday. You'd go to come to Cathedral, which is my gym, on like a Thursday. And, you know, guys from the city would just rotate and do so that. So all different guys from different high schools. Yeah. Yeah, guys from different high schools, whether it be in, the, in a high school gym or outside of the park, like 
you kind of ran into the same guys because everybody kind of knew where people would be on certain days. So, you know, we got to know each other kind of do through doing stuff like that. Uh, playing, we never played against each other in high school, but then uh, we both were recruited to DePaul, and I ended up going to Hanover. He went to DePaul. And then we played against each other for four years in college. How would you describe Brad's game? Brad was a scorer. Um, his game changed a lot from high school to college, where he shot a lot in high school, uh, scored a lot of points, got to college, and didn't score as much. He still scored a lot, um, but you know his story is you know he didn't play as much his senior year because they were bringing in some younger guys. Um, but I just remember we had really close games, and I just remember Brad always trying to post me up <laughs> all the time. Like, he was good. He's, like, real crafty around the basket. He can shoot with both hands, but he'd always be down there trying to post me up the whole game. Would you – I mean, sometimes if, when I play with my friends and if some, one of my friends is a little bit bigger and would do that, I would, like, give him – crap for it yeah. would you like say stuff to him like come on man like what are you what are you trying to do here uh, you know what we were uh we we're both fairly quiet you know we didn't we didn't really say anything i might have given him a cheap shot or something <laughs> as he's trying to root me out or something but um yeah I, that's i just distinctly remember him always trying to score on me he must have <laughs> he must have known like you know, the, the coaches or something knew that i wasn't really going to attempt to guard him that much <laughs> So I'm going to have to ask Brad about his post-up game. That's not this, this is a big revelation that Brad Stevens had a post-up game. He'll talk about it. Yeah, yeah, he'll talk about it. He's, he, he'll say it. He's, he'll say, I'm crafty. I was crafty down there. <laughs> so, so you moved on to a couple different schools. That, yeah. uh, you were at Marshall, IU South Bend, and then Butler. How, when you're making these transitions, is it always kind of like, do you feel like you're is it a step up? in terms of your responsibilities or, like, the level of the school? Or what, what are you looking for when you're making these moves, trying to kind of climb the ladder? Yeah, just, I mean, really just that. It, it, um, so when I wanted to, I knew I wanted to coach once I figured that out sometime in college. Um, I had set this goal. I was like, hey, I want to be a head coach by the time I, uh, I think I said by the time I was 30, I wanted to be a head coach. But, you know, it was just a goal. I had no way of knowing how to go about that or anything. And it, my dad was actually friends with um, Butch Carter, who was head coach of the Raptors at the time. And we went, we flew up there during the lockout season and just kind of hung out for the weekend. But we met with him and he was like giving me advice on coaching and all this. And he said, you know, try and get to be a head coach. He said, you know, no matter what level it is, you know, try and be a head coach. Like you know, because they can never take that experience from you. Like it's always on your resume as a head coach, this and that. So I was kind of, you know, I moved around a lot. You know, I was at the time I was still young, single, so I could do it. Um, but I went to Marshall because it's Division One school, got some experience there, and then I went to Indiana South Bend and I was the head coach there um, for two years, and so I got that experience on my resume it was you know it was crazy it, it was a you know a job I probably didn't look too much into and didn't know that much about uh it was like quite the challenge but uh it was a great two years like the kids that that I got the chance to coach and be around um were great kids and they you know 
kind of threw themselves to listen to me and do whatever I asked them to do. And I still have good relationships with them. One of them actually texted me this morning just to oh, cool. check in and see how everything was going. And he had seen our game and was watching and following. So it's fun to, to get back with those guys. But it was all kind of moving in that direction. That was my goal was to move and try and be a head coach. So when you say you kind of made a face, like it, like it was something you were kind of not expecting, what was it about that situation? that It you was were, different. Yeah. I was the first full-time head coach there. So the coach that they had before me was part-time. Like he had a job somewhere else, and then he would just come and coach the team. Mm-hmm. And something. <laughs> so, like, there were no dorms. There was – no meal plan. Like I got there, it, my eye was just so like, really easy to recruit. It's definitely easy. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, hey, I got you know limited scholarship money. <laughs> Why don't you pay a, uh, a lot of money to come and play here? <laughs> so uh, it was fun. I mean, we were we were challenged uh, in terms of you know budget wise and scholarship wise compared to a lot of teams in our league. Like there was the team that dominated our league basically just took a lot of transfers from Division One. So, you know, the first time we played them, they had uh, Carlos Hurt, who had, like, transferred from Louisville and was a McDonald's All-American. And I had a couple of 5'9 guys from South Bend. It <laughs> wasn't a fair matchup. <laughs> so then you then it was off to Butler, yeah. obviously reconnected with Brad. How did that work out to, to end up um, coaching with him? It was um, – you know, he and I had always stayed in contact, you know, throughout – our years of coaching. So, you know, I would always go back and work camps at Butler in the summer and he, you know, while he was still there as the assistant and working. And we had a great relationship, you know, not just basketball, just as friends and talking all the time. So um, we were at the Final Four. Um, we were in Atlanta and we were, we were all uh, hanging out and watching the games together on. So Saturday, the semifinal games. What year is this now? Wow, this was so it was before Brad's. It was his last year as assistant. Uh, so right before he got the job. Um, so like oh seven oh eight seven oh eight. Yeah. So we're watching the games and just kind of hanging out. And little did I know, those the very next day, uh, Coach Licklier took the job at Iowa. And I was like, wow, that's that's crazy. But Brad's gonna have chance to get this job and like right during the national championship game that next night on that Monday I was back home and like the story broke that you know he had gotten the job or a couple days later it was something like that but I told my wife I was like hey I you know I think I think I'm gonna you know like try and pursue this and you know see if he has a spot on his staff and really just kind of reached out to him to say. So you kind of initiated it. Yeah. Um, Just to say that, you know, I was interested uh, in a position that he had, you know, if he had something. Like I knew the guys that were there as assistants, and, you know, I didn't know all the ins and outs of who was going to leave and who was going to stay. But um, I knew if I had a chance to get there and be on his staff, that was something I definitely wanted to do, so. What was it like? Obviously, there you were part of some pretty amazing teams there. What was it like to see the success of that team as it really just took this ascension to such a national level? It it was, uh, I mean, it was just fun to to be around and be a part of. So, you know, it was kind of a long building thing for Butler. Uh, they started, you know, Barry Collier finally got them to the tournament 
know, like they had been good and had good teams, and he finally got them to the tournament. And then it just kind of built level from level from there. And um, they had a really good team the last year there. So Brad's last year as the assistant, Coach Licklider's last year as the head coach, they had a real unbelievable team. And then Brad takes over, and it's all these older guys. You know, they were all seniors. Um, so that first year, like, we went to the Final Four in the two, you know, three years down the road with those guys. But the first year was so much fun. Uh, had five seniors that started. Uh, one, one of the seniors ended up injuring his ankle uh, during the year, and we slid Matt Howard in as a starter, as a freshman. And that team just rolled. I mean, we were 30-4. and four, um, Lost to Tennessee in the second round of the tournament in a very odd – they ended up – they were like number one team in the country for a long time and ended up getting a two seed. And we had to play them second round of the tournament, like a 2-7 matchup, which uh, still, you know, everybody's kind of upset on both teams seeding in that. But uh, that team went 30-4, and four and it kind of set the – bar very high for every team that followed it um, but then you know the next class of guys that came in were Gordon, Shelvin, Ronald um, Matt Howard was already there and to see that team kind of come together the first year and you know, we went to the tournament again we are 26-6 and six, lost to LSU Marcus Thornton that's the Marcus Thornton game he just absolutely destroyed us uh, but to go from that and then to the Final Four the next year, and then the Final Four the year after that, like, is really, I mean, it's unbelievable. I, sometimes I just sit back and just think, like, I can't believe we did yeah. that. <laughs> is there any, when you think of the, the two championship runs, is there any, I know there's probably a million memories that, that come to mind, but is there anything that, like, sticks out that 20 years from now, like a practice or a moment in one of the games that just really kind of, I, I typifies or, or kind of exemplifies what that what that run meant to the school and the program and even that community? Yeah, I, I mean, um, I mean, just everything that kind of went, went that way. I, I think, you know, Brad always talks about how we, that first year when those guys went 26 and 6, and we talked about getting to the tournament, but he says after that he felt like, he limited them um, and didn't, you know, we set goals for him instead of saying, no, let's win the whole thing. Let's go as far as we can go. You know, we talked about, hey, let's continue the tradition. Let's get to the tournament. And then for them to do it the next year uh, is pretty, you know, phenomenal. But I remember the year we went to the Final Four, we were you know, we were a good team. Uh, we struggled a little bit. Nah, I mean, we lost a couple games in the non-conference, and I think we were we ranked really high early in the season. And going into conference play, we had a couple of practices that weren't up to par, and uh, we kind of went – we kind of ended practice early one day, and uh, it was on break, so we had another practice. And in between practices, we uh, we, like, took everything off the walls like in the locker room. So it was like completely bare, <laughs> like any pictures, any trophies, everything. And it was like just strip the place down. And um, like like the 
Coaches did that the or coaches, the team? Yeah. yeah, no, the coaches. So the, the players had, had left. So practice, first practice ended, they leave. And they come back for the second, and they're just looking around, and, like, nothing's in there. <laughs> and it was just kind of our message of, you know, we had finished second in the conference, in the conference tournament the year before. Like, we're not playing up to the standards of the Butler teams before us and this and that. And, and we're saying, why don't, why can't we go undefeated in the conference? Why can't we win, you know, this league, you know, without losing the game? And it was crazy. We ended up doing it. We ended up going through the league undefeated. And then we never lost again until the national championship game. And I think back to like that moment yeah. and those practices where, you know, those are hard times in college. Those are like the dog days of practice when you're in January and, you know, Final exams. It's, it's yeah, like people are nobody's on campus, and you know it's cold, it's <laughs> ugly. It's, so to get through that time and to really have that time, uh, that, those are times that we look back and talk about and laugh about now. Yeah, so I think you guys should talk to the Celtics and be like, hey, we need to really, you know, next time we hit a rut, I want <laughs> we want all the banners to come down yeah. <laughs> from TD Garden, you know, all the NBA uh, championship trophies. I think it'd be a good real motivator. It's probably a little bit more work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's too high up in yeah. the ceiling, too. Yeah. Uh, so then coming to the Celtics, I, well, you know, you ended up you were coaching at Purdue for a few years. Mm-hmm. Brad gets hired by the Celtics. Did you re- do your reach out again? Be like, hey, Brad, you know, don't forget about your buddy Micah, or did he did he contact you? How did it, how did it know, happen? I um. I was out of town when he got the job and ended up, you know, because I, I knew he was going to get absolutely flooded with texts and calls and everything else. So I actually didn't even um, contact him. Uh, you know, late on the day that he took the job, like late at night, because I know he's early riser. So I knew he'd get it. So I just texted him, say hey, congrats, um, but didn't really say anything about the job. And then, um, just a day or so later, just kind of threw it out there. Like, you know, if there's something or, um, you know, maybe if there's a chance that we can talk, let's talk. You know, so we kind of communicated with each other for a few days. And, you know, he was running around doing a lot of different stuff with Summer League, with, you know, the press conference and mm-hmm. everything else. So we kind of let that die down a little bit before we really got into talking about jobs and everything else but um it was great I was I was at Purdue at the time and coach Painter told me he was like uh this is before Brad even offered me a job he was like hey if if you don't go to the Celtics I'm gonna fire you for stupidity (laughs) 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 which is I was like okay yeah yeah I got it I got it I'll take it so uh it was kind of a no-brainer when Brad said you know would you like to come here so did Brett, when, when Brad says, do you want to come here, does he give you a sense on what kind of role it would be or what he would, what he would want or expect from you, or is it just kind of like, all right, get here and we'll figure it out? Yeah, no, he, he knew. Uh, he, he, I guess it uh, is Brad Stevens. Yes, he thinks everything <laughs> out. He's got a lot of things going. Uh, he plans a lot of things out. But, no, we talked about um, the role, you know, kind of the fit, um, you know, what, what he saw me doing coming here, what the other guys – what he wanted to add in his staff and um, I was just gracious for the opportunity and just really ready to help him in whichever way he needed. 
So what was it like then to get to get here? After, you know, after really just climbing. You know, a lot of people have a a quicker. You know, you play for a top division one school, you become a graduate assistant at Duke, and then you you know. But to really climb and pay your dues, I guess, and then all of a sudden you do get to the NBA. What was it like for you? Uh, I don't know. I think I'm still living like the dream right now. <laughs> people ask me like I get letters or emails from people that want to coach or want to get into coaching, and they ask me, hey. Is there a chance, you know, do you have any advice or, you know, I want to follow your career path? I'm like, I don't think you really want to follow my career path. <laughs> it wasn't exactly a, a straight line to where I wanted to go. And my path is not exactly the same. You know, a guy I grew up you know, friends with from high school ended up getting a job as a Celtics. Yeah. Like, <laughs> You better get good, really good friends. friends. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Pick your friends wisely, I guess. Uh, you know, work hard along the way and hope for a good break. Uh, but you know, prepare yourself for the for your time to come. Uh, but you know, I, I don't. You know, the one thing that when Brad and I were talking, you know, he was talking about the NBA. I was like, being able to compete against the best night in and night out was so intriguing like trying to prepare for LeBron James or, you know, Kyrie Irving or Kobe or those guys. It's like you got to do it. Like it's an opportunity that there's not many of these jobs that are out there. Um, and the chance to get in and do it is, you know, chance of a lifetime. What was the biggest adjustment when you start breaking down LeBron film instead of DePaul film? Yeah. Like what? what's the biggest change? It's, um, you know, for – the games are completely different. So I would watch NBA when I was in college, but you don't really, you know, you can pick some stuff up. But you're not. It's hard to watch a game and pick stuff up as a casual observer. Um, so now I'm watching NBA like full time. Like I can't watch college. Like it's so slow. <laughs> the game is so slow. It's like there's so the shot clock. You know, it's six more seconds, but it seems like forever. Um, and it's hard to adjust back and forth. Um, so I really, in college, I really only watch, like, like my friends' teams play or teams I've worked for or things like that. So uh, the game is completely different. Like, the first year, um, first of all, the season's so long. Like, when the season was over, I was wiped out. I was crushed. I had to, like, sleep for, like, a week straight because, <laughs> I mean, it's so long. I was so tired. It's just something you can't prepare for um, coming in. And then everything was, like, going so fast. So, you know, the terminology is completely different. Um, you know, so what people are calling different actions or different screens are completely different. So it, it took me you know, a month or two just to, like, figure all that stuff out, the terminology. And then, you know, how people guard things is a different way. So um, I was really learning on the fly. You know, I asked a lot of the questions for Ron Adams and Jay Larnaga and Jamie, and those guys kind of held our hands for a little bit <laughs> and answered a lot of the questions. When you started getting comfortable, what – and you develop your responsibilities, I guess. What's kind of maybe a typical uh, 
game day or preparation? What's, what's, what kind of falls on your plate as you guys prepare to play a game? So I do um, So I do a lot. Of, all of my stuff is on the defensive side now. Um, and that's what, mostly the main focus besides player development with certain guys. Um, so going into a game, let's say it's, it's my scout. Um, I'll watch five games. So their previous five games, I watch those five. Um, and then our game, if we've played them. So really six games you watch, and you're just trying to pick up. You first start with the basics of what they run the most, um, how they score, and really get all that information and shorten it down and send a report to Brad and then prepare a report for our team to say, to get them ready for the game. And then from there, you really kind of move on into um, like their ATOs, if you can find some kind of cycle that, hey, Scott Skiles likes to run this in the That means quarter. after timeouts for after our, timeouts. for yeah, listeners. Sorry. sorry. So basketball. Yeah. Um, so after timeouts in the first quarter, you know, Scott Skiles loves to run – a play for Oladipo where mm-hmm. he comes off a pin down. Well, you know, in the second quarter and he subs, and he has a different group in, you know, he's going to go more towards Hazonia. So now it's going to be plays for Hazonia. So these are things that you're thinking about or writing down I have in my pocket ready for, you know, to kind of help our guys defensively throughout the game. And then, um, and then learning play calls also. So, my mind is full of useless information. My wife will, you know, attest to that. But I have all these play calls in my head for all these different teams now for three years. So, like, if I hear a call and our guys are good at, you know, once they call something, our guys will yell it to the bench and you got to relay that information back of what's coming and what's happening. And, you know, I kind of got pretty good at that because um, – the first year when Rondo was out, he'd sit right next to me mm-hmm. and when he wasn't playing and he was like, hey, when I come back, you better know these play calls because <laughs> I'm going to ask you and I'm going to expect them. And I was like, I wasn't real sure if he was kidding or not, but so I made it a deal that I, I should probably know what they're calling and what, what to say back. So uh, I do a lot of preparing for that pregame. Also. So, so, that's fascinating, kind of. So, so I mean, I see, I see you guys do that. I've seen like Jay and Marcus mm-hmm. do it. They yell, you know, the Cavs call out a play. Yeah. Marcus Smart yells the play to you guys. Yeah. What do you then do at that? What, what in such a quick inst, in, you know. So instant. you have to shorten it down to what's going to happen. That's going to you know affect you the most. So you, I can't say, hey. Uh, your guy's going to pass it to the wing, and he's going to cut to the basket. He's going to set a cross screen, cut across, go here. So you just will shorten it down and get him the most. So, you know, I may say, hey, Avery, step up. So he knows, like, oh, all right, my guy's going to get a step up here eventually at some point in time. Or you can start yelling at guys that, hey, pull over. Your guy's not going to be in the play. So that means you need to get in the lane and help off this. So – just small, short snippets that they can, you know, kind of use to uh, help them guard and play better. And they're pretty good at knowing it, too. Um, some of the guys that have been in the league for a long time, like, oh, here stuff, 
and have a general idea of what's coming or what may be coming. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have a, a good group of guys who are who are pretty good at it on the defensive side. Has there been a player either on your team or opposing team that you've seen that just seems to like be a wizard at once they hear it, they know what's going? Oh, LeBron. LeBron's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and he'll know like I just remember like vividly in the playoffs of you know we ran a play against Toronto at the end of the season last year uh, to win the game, and then we lined up in that alignment against uh, Cleveland in the playoffs. And LeBron is, like, switching guys around and calling out, like, the alignment, what he saw, what he thought was going to happen. DeAndre Jordan, surprisingly, is is really good at it. Um, He's a great communicator on the defensive end, so if he cares a play call, he's, like, constantly talking. That, like, stood out to me when we've played them is he's constantly talking and calling out different actions of what's going to happen. I mean, there are a lot of people that do it that are that are really good. Like that's that's one way that you can tell like people know their stuff. Mm-hmm. Like some of these guys, some of these players, like they know their stuff and they've studied coming into the game. It's, it's you know that's why they're the best of the best. Yeah, is it for you? Is it pretty rewarding or, or like a big hit when you say Scott Skiles at? The end of second quarters likes to do this, and then he does it, and mm-hmm. you know you kind of sit back and say, "Hey, man, like all this work, it's <laughs> that's this is why I do this." Yeah, I, I think you know we can get a little bit of in uh, kind of satisfaction in knowing what may be coming. Uh, it doesn't mean we stop it. Say, <laughs> like, "Hey, thanks." We knew it was coming, but uh, you know they have a really good player, and they still scored on it. <laughs> like, you know, that's part of it is. You know, the, any advantage that you can take, you, you have to try and take it because the players are so good. And obviously you, you have known Brad longer than probably anyone on this team. What, what have you – how has he developed? How has he kind of changed with the NBA game over these past few years? I think, like, he was always really good um, making adjustments and figuring things out, figuring out ways to um, – kind of set his team apart. So, like, Brad's a a defensive-minded guy. Like, we're talking about getting stops, and we're talking about playing defense. And, like, a lot of that, you know, he focuses on that. Um, and then now he's so good. Like, he always had really good plays in, in college, but you don't really get as many opportunities <laughs> Um, so they're mostly just late game. But now just watching, just, you know, being able to sit there and, like, watch him draw something up and it works, <laughs> like, over and over again, uh, it's just kind of a testament to to how much he studies. And um, I think that's, a, you know, part of the reason why he enjoys the NBA. Um, you know, he gets time to really sit back and, watch a lot of other people play. Not, I mean, not that he didn't in college, but yeah, it's just so more. It's just so much more uh, that he can add to his just his database of things to do and things to counter with and more opportunities to do it. Um, I mean, that's it's it's fun to watch. I mean, it's fun to be around. It's fun to be a part of. Um, it's, you know, 
part of the reasons why I wanted to do it. Like, you know, to be around not just good people, you know, as good as a person as he is, as good as a coach as he is, you know, it's pretty equal. Um, so, you know, part of your job or part of life is you want to be surround yourself with good people. So, like, I just want to be a part of what what he's doing. <laughs> is there a – did you get a sense that that – kind of developed a trust with these players like you know obviously he comes in new he comes in from college and all of a sudden when they start seeing this stuff work and they start seeing you know these calls coming through and, yeah. and things like that it's like okay well, this guy clearly knows what he's doing this these coaches have our back they're gonna have this well prepared is that you know these guys are professionals they've been through this ringer a, a lot does that have you seen that start to develop or has it developed over these couple of years yeah no definitely definitely it, it has um you know, I know nobody ever the, – the guy – we've had so many players, but particularly early on, but they were all very respectful. Like, nobody was like, hey, you guys are college coaches. You don't, you don't know what you're talking about. Um, they were all so respectful and were trying to really do kind of what we asked them to do. And, you know, it's hard to change kind of systems and go from – from what they were doing with Doc to what we were doing here. And um, they kind of bought in. But now you've seen that as we had more and more guys that are now being here longer. So, you know, with Avery and Sully and Kelly, like they kind of know what to expect and what's coming. And now we've had guys longer and longer um, now. You know, so Tyler's been here a couple years now. Now Jay's heading in that direction. Isaiah, um, you know, smart. The the confidence and trust back and forth is has really kind of blossomed. Um, you know, throughout the year, everybody, you know, has things that happen that they don't enjoy or they don't agree with. But um, they know that Coach cares about them. Like, he has their best interests in mind. Uh, so nothing lasts very long. So, um just the trust that, like, he's going to put them in the best position to win and the best position for them to succeed. Like, I think that allows them to, you know, play freer and play harder uh, and play the right way. And what do you think makes this team good? You guys are now, I mean, as we record this, you're tied for third in the East. You're in the midst of a great season. What What do you think makes this team successful? Uh, I think it starts with, you know, kind of our attitude. And we have a, a bunch of guys that are really team-first guys um, you know, that don't really care about the accolades, uh, which is, I mean, it's really, there's not many groups that you're around that are like that. And then we have a bunch of guys that are, are I mean, just tough and competitive guys. Like, every day, like, something's going on out there that somebody's competing at, whether it's one-on-one -on -one or it's a shooting competition or it's half-court shots. <laughs> they're always competing, and it carries over. Like, man, guys want to win, and they're going to do whatever it takes to win. And no matter if you're you know, playing video games or you know, playing, uh, playing the Raptors, like, they're going to try and win. I think it, that goes a little bit from the top down. I think Danny's like that. 
You know, I saw it as a player, how competitive he was. Brad's the same way. And then the guys that you have on your team, you know, Isaiah's exactly like that. Crowder's smart. You know, Solinger, all those guys are so competitive um, that they're going to fight and do whatever it takes, uh, you know, to, to win a championship. It's rel- it's relatively common for us, the media, we walk in at the end of practice to see, like kind of what you mentioned, there'll be some, some competition yeah. taking place and yeah. it gets pretty, pretty loud and pretty intense. It's loud, always interesting for yeah, us. Loud and intense would definitely describe um, our team. So if, like, if there were slogans or something out there that you could put on <laughs> Boston Celtics, loud and intense. <laughs> uh, that's how they are on the plane, uh, <laughs> on the bus, and definitely on the practice court. <laughs> what's on the bus and the plane? What's the what's the competition like? Card games or something? Or what's 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 loud and intense? Card games. Um, it could be, you know, Twitter followers. I, <laughs> I don't. I mean, it could be, um, you know, JJ's JJ's outfits. You know, the sweaters, gear. I don't. I mean, everything, <laughs> anything, any small thing could cause an argument. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm assuming someday you'd like to become a head coach again. Is that kind of a dream? Yeah. No, it definitely would be a dream. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm patient enough to wait for a, for an opportunity to happen. Uh, but you know, being here, you know, with the Celtics is like I said, it's a dream come true. We work for great people. Danny and Mike are unbelievable. You know, Wick, Pags, like, they want you to win. Like, when you know that, you know, winning is the number one priority, um, like, that drives you each and every day. So, um, I'm pretty satisfied. Like, I, I could be here for the rest of my life as long as we're, you know, I'm working with good people, but we're going in the right direction. We're building, like, you can see good stuff happening and, you know, you kind of want to be a part of it. You want to be around it. So, um, you know, if it happens, great. You know, if it doesn't, I'm in an awesome position right now. Some people might not know, Micah's actually summer league. One of one of the two, I'm assuming you'll keep that role this summer. Is, is that, can you break that news here? Will you be a summer league know. coach? We haven't, we haven't discussed it yet. What's okay. going to happen, but I'm going to petition that, uh, we got some unfinished business back in Vegas this summer. Uh, we we left there with the little sour taste in our mouth, and the old Shannon Scott floaters. So. Oh man, you remember the play and everything. So there's two. For those who don't know, there's a Utah summer league and a Vegas summer league. The Celtics are. We know they are going to compete in both again this year. Last year, Jay Laranega uh, coached the Utah summer league, and Micah took our. You did the entire Vegas summer league, right? Yeah. The entire yeah. So he was the the head coach, and it's great for us media. We got a you know, new coaches to talk to. You have to, you have to put up with us after every game. Jay, I think you like a little more than Jay does uh, <laughs> interacting with us. Um, but you remember, you remember your playoff loss. You guys, lo- I actually left because because it, it was like I was in Utah for five days and then Vegas for like seven. So my plan was to leave the first day of playoffs, and then Gary stuck around. So I missed that game. You remember exactly what happened? Sounds like. Oh, definitely. Yeah. No, I I remember it vividly. Terry hit some unbelievable shots to kind of bring us back and tie the game and uh we went into uh, we went into our defense we had it all set shannon scott they we took away their initial play they threw it to about half court shannon scott just kind of drives it shoots a little floater over mickey and you know somehow went in and 
It's a tough day. It's a tough day for us to you know, really value summer league basketball. <laughs> so you heard it here first, guys. This is it. It's for, this is a, the Celtics summer league revenge tour is coming this summer. It's going to be a big summer, I think. Definitely, we're we're fired up. We're um, we're talking to you know the guys, the young guys, RJ and uh, Terry and Jordan. All right, guys, listen. You know this playoff. Forget about all that. We got the summer league playoffs <laughs> coming up in July. You guys make sure you're healthy, you're ready to go for that. We're going coming back for revenge. <laughs> it could be a fascinating summer league roster this year. But I mean, right now you guys have eight picks. There's obviously you're not going to come with eight new rookies or anything. But it's going to be uh, no matter what, fans are gonna be really interested in in that summer league team. However, it ends up that's for sure. Uh, I know I've I've taken you over the time. I promised you already. I, there's a big pickup game waiting. Micah takes yeah. part in the coaches and staff pickup game all the time. Who's who's who has game in that? I have to know who's who's pretty good. You know what? Um, it's actually it's boiled down to um, kind of a one-on-one game between uh, Walter and Jerome. Uh, where it's Jerome, Walter McCarty and Jerome Walter Allen, McCarty, assistant coaches. Jerome Allen are two stubborn, hard-headed players who have uh, really taken on. The game starts five-on-five. Five. It eventually ends one-on-one in the post with four guys, eight guys <laughs> standing on the perimeter watching. So, no, it's fun. We play um, – you know, Alex Barlow is a good player. You know, who played the Butler. Kenny Graves is, you know, unbelievably fast and a good player. Uh, Jay Larinaga, you know, he's a great shooter, um, still a really good player. So there's a lot of guys that that can still play. And you know, some of the front office guys come down. Uh, Jake Eastman, Remy Cofield, those guys. We have fun with it. it. It's it's a way for us to get away from the daily grind for. You know, 45 minutes to an hour. Get, you know, you're supposed to be getting exercise, so you try and run the floor instead of walking back on D or on offense. But uh, it's fun. We have a blast with it, and uh, there's been a lot of talking going on leading up to today's game. So we'll see how it goes. Who's? Oh, so are there like set teams? Like you guys have the same two teams, or do you guys pick sides? <laughs> we usually pick sides, but uh, one team has kind of dominated a little bit the last few times we've played so um you know I won't say but yes I was on that team <laughs> <laughs> but Jerome and Alex Barlow and uh Jake Eastman you know we kind of we won a lot of games last time so those guys are still upset about that I pe- just real quick I peeked in one time we're not supposed to but I looked and uh because I see what was going on in there and I saw Brad was playing how often does Brad play he gets out there and plays. He, he'll, he'll play shortly. He might play only one game. Um, then he'll go jump on the treadmill. I think he, he likes to keep his skills sharp so, uh, so his son Brady doesn't pass him up too quickly as a player. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks so much for listening. Thanks, Micah, for taking way longer than I told you we would take. And I uh, hope you guys enjoy this podcast. Remember, go to bostonglobe.com. Subscribe on iTunes. Um, you can go to SoundCloud and subscribe there. There's a lot of different options. Um, thanks a lot, Mike, and we'll be back next week with another podcast. And you heard it here, the big, big Vegas Summer League coming, you guys.